Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Error monitoring is provided by Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash ChangeLog. Hi, everyone. I'm Leo Kalinaus, and it's go time. It's Go Time, a weekly podcast where we discuss interesting topics around the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. If you currently write Go or aspire to, this is the show for you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Time. Today's episode is number 70. Uh, today on the show, we have myself, Eric St. Martin, uh, Carly Pinta. Hi, everybody. Brian Kettleson. Hello. And his, his knitting. Hey. <laughs> and our special guest for today um, is one of the organizers of GopherCon Russia, uh, Leo Kalnios. Hello. So do you want to give the listeners maybe just a brief history of kind of you and, and what you do and the length of time you've been in the Go community? Oh, okay. Um, I used to be a Go developer two years ago. And yeah, after that, I started my developer relations work. So now I work at Data Art as chief community manager. So also my story about community started three years ago when I started the first community in Novosibirsk in far, far away Siberia, <laughs> probably in the middle of nowhere. So I built it from the scratch and yeah, do you know Yandex? Yes. Russian, Russian Google. Yep. Yeah. So our first meeting was in their office and we had about 100 people there. Nice. That's really big. So how big is, is uh, Novosibirsk in terms of people? So it's more than one and a half million people there. Wow. So it's the third city in terms of population in Russia. Okay. Yeah. So after that, I started to work on different communities, technical communities in Novosibirsk. So now I lead Google developer group there and we have several series of technical meetups. We have meetups about Golang, we have meetups about Android, we have meetups about DevOps and so on so far. Also, we have one big conference there called DevFest Siberia. We started to organize this conference probably two years ago, yes. And we even had Dave Cheney last year in Siberia. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anybody so furious, so far and so cold. Now, yeah, so tell, can you tell us a little bit about Siberia? Because, you know, in, in America, the only thing that most people know about Siberia is that it's where people get sent for punishment. And I don't think that's accurate. Can you tell us, you know, what Siberia is really like? Is it, is it really always cold? Yeah, exactly. I need to know that. Uh, no, it's not always cold. In summer, we have temperature like plus 30 Celsius degrees. Well, that's hot. And right now it's about minus 12. I okay, think. that's cold. Yeah. It's very cold. But you know, right now I'm in St. Petersburg. So I moved from Novosibirsk last year. And today in St. Petersburg it's uh, minus 20 Celsius degrees. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, now St. Petersburg is on the... Uh, western side of Russia, right? Yeah, right. Okay. So I just wanted to, to clarify that minus 20 is minus 4 Fahrenheit, and my, in 30 degrees Celsius, it's 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's not bad. But is it like for, for a day, or is it like for the whole summer? Mm, yeah, it's for the day. One day of the summer is... They're hot and the other days are cold. Ah, no, no, no. No, so there's <laughs> it's, uh, quite usual weather in, in the summer. Just, okay. <laughs> Just to yeah. clarify. That sounds like yeah. a nice normal climate. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Also in Novosibirsk, 
Uh, we have a lot of research institutes, more than 30, I think. And uh, all of them are located in special place called Akadem Garadok. So yeah, it's a very scientific place. It's, it sounds very awesome. It sounds like a, a, a technical center of, of awesomeness. <laughs> well, I can't imagine anything of you, that you said uh, to be <laughs> truthful. You know, starting with you got 100 people to show up at, at your first meetup. It's amazing. That's wild. Most <laughs> that meetups good. never get that big. Yeah. So now I'm triply glad that you're here because you're going to like, I'm just looking forward to knowing more about Siberia and the community there. Sounds really exciting. Is there generally like uh, quite a few Go developers in, in that area? Like is Go a really popular language for a lot of companies there? Uh, yes. Uh, right, right, right now we have a lot of companies that use Go in production. But three years ago, there were a few companies there, maybe one or two. <laughs> so okay, it was very hard to collect all these people. Most of them were just interested in the topic and probably had only 10 Go developers there at the, wow. the audience. Yep. So you did a great job. Yeah, I'm curious. Absolutely. I'm curious. So when people want to decide they want to learn Go in your community, how does, what, uh, tell me again, uh, when was this first meetup you had? And so do people go to meetups? Do they get together? Do they have workshops? What are the resources available to them? Because here in the US and even in Europe, there are conferences and there's the, the Slack accounts. And are, are people on Slack? Do, they, do you have your own ver uh, Russian Slack communication? How do you connect to each other? Uh, we have Russian-speaking uh, Gopher Slack with uh, more than 2,000 people, I think. Oh, that's cool. Also, we have our own Russian-speaking podcast called Golang Show. And yeah. we will be happy to record episode with Brian in Moscow. Yay! Quite soon. Yes. Very soon. So be prepared. Yes. And that's going to be big because I'm going to announce a huge secret in my talk in Moscow. Huge. What it? What is the secret? Well, it's a secret. I can't tell you. <laughs> nice try, though. Thank you. But it's huge. Yeah. It's it's just the two of us right here. <laughs> Nobody will ever know. Yeah. Also, we have do you know Telegram. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, also we have two chats there. That's a, a phone app for people who don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like WhatsApp. Yeah. But much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we old people like me, I don't know what that is. I'm still trying to figure out Snapstagram. Snapstagram. <laughs> That's what I call it, just to make my daughter mad. Are you playing on <laughs> Snapstagram again? Shut up, Dad. <laughs> By the way, uh, we tried to organize GopherCon Russia uh, last year, but we were, were not good enough, so it's our second try. Well, it's going to be awesome this year. Yeah, I think so, because we have, right now, we have more than 400 uh, signups wow. for the conference. Yep. and have. I think 20 amazing speakers. I was looking at the speaker list yesterday and you have really good speakers lined up. Yeah, there's a, a number of great speakers there. And half of Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the question is though, how many of them were, were on there before they were Microsoft? Because most of us have gravitated there only in recent months. That's true. Yeah, that's true. By the way, we invited Ashley to our Siberian conference last year. <laughs> uh, but we had some problems with business tickets to Russia because the cost oh. is too high. Yeah. It is very expensive. I just bought my plane tickets and I could buy a car for how much I spent on my plane tickets. 
Wow, that's wow. It's a good thing I didn't pay for them. <laughs> I, I took it out of Eric's budget. <laughs> Are you trying to say I don't travel enough? <laughs> no, I'm trying to say that you're not getting a raise this year because I'm going to Russia. <laughs> you better make sure he has a, a good trip. <laughs> so this is going to be the first GopherCon Russia. Uh, tell us about the venue. Where? What kind of uh, building is it going to be held in? Um, is it in? It's in Moscow, right? Yes, it, obviously it's in Moscow. Is it going to be in the Kremlin? <laughs> not for <laughs> sure. No. No. Gophers are not allowed there. <laughs> no gophers allowed in the Kremlin. I'm going to try to find out if it's okay for gophers to go to the Kremlin and go inside because it's what I do. I have to break rules. Yeah. So if I don't make it home, you guys understand why. I'm in jail in Siberia. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, if you have enough time, we can go to St. Petersburg before or after the conference. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we can organize the local meetup if you want. So the venue will be in Moscow. It's called Technopolis. It's quite a big, huge, comfortable conference hall. Nothing very special, but it's quite a nice place. I, I guess I was there for one conference before. And I like it. Any place is special if it's full of gophers. That makes it special. Yep, definitely. And you will have a lot of gophers there. Mm -hmm. I am so excited. So you said 400 people are coming this time? You have you sold 400 tickets? Yeah, even more than 400. Oh, that's good. That's great for a first conference. Well done. That is excellent, yeah. Yeah. And if you want, I can tell you some numbers about Moscow Gophers community? Yes, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, let me check my notes. Okay. So, ah, by the way, also we have mailing list for Russian-speaking community since 2010. And uh, first Moscow meetup was five years ago, and uh, they had 27 people there. Wow. Yeah, impressive. Yep. So that's the history of Russian Gophers community. Also, we have a quite big uh, community in St. Petersburg, about 700 Gophers there. I'm not sure that the community is very active, but yeah, still we have it. But they will be active now that you're there. Yeah. Before I forget, it doesn't have to be right now, but I want to make sure that you give us the link to the to at least some of the meetups you know, and link to the how people can get invites to your Gopher Slack account. And um, also another thing that I wanted to add is like if, if there is any general Twitter accounts that people can follow or Facebook groups and information on how to get on Telegram. So we can have it for posterity on the show notes, okay? Okay, sure. I will send it. And another thing that I wanted to ask along those lines is, is there any uh, dedicated place for people to look for go, for go jobs in Russia or in your area? Good question. So, well, we have a special website called Headhunter in Russia. And... You can find uh, any job there. It's the first source, I guess. And uh, the special places are our Gopher Slack. We have a special channel there for job offers. And we have uh, also a channel in Telegram for that. Cool. Yep. Very nice. So it sounds like the Go community in Russia is incredibly well organized probably better organized than, than the one here. That's good news. Well, I really enjoyed the uh, Gophers community in San Francisco. I was uh, on some meetups there. Oh, it is a good community there. That's true. Yeah, also I'm going to be at Google I.O. this year in May, so we can meet there too. You're going to Google I.O.? Are you going to come to Microsoft Build too? If you can invite me, for sure. 
Well, I'll work on that then. Very good. I think that's also in May. Maybe you could just make it a big, long trip. Yep. Why not? Because I can work totally remotely. So Perfect. Working remotely is the best kind of working. Yeah, definitely. So what sort of big um, companies outside of, of Yandex use Go in Russia? Uh, for sure, one of the biggest is my group. Uh, do you know social network Contacti or VK? It's like Russian Facebook. Mm. So they use Go in some of their backend services. And uh, actually, there are a lot of smaller companies that uh, use Go in their production also. Uh, I can mention Avita. Mm -hmm. It's like Russian eBay, but a bit smaller <laughs> than eBay for sure. Uh, they also use uh, Go in their backend services. Yeah, that's the most uh, well known, I think. And uh, not Russian, but Russian speaking uh, guys from get from minsk do you know company called juna it's like get in new york it's not like it's get in new york so yeah they have a lot of stuff in go nice yeah they're, they're very nice folks i just went to the golang wiki page and there is a page called go users that lists companies from around the world and it's divided up by continent and then countries and there are only two companies under russia so that definitely needs to be updated so what's there right now is uh i2 labs and postman q mm -hmm. yeah by the way yeah i2 labs we have a speaker from there yeah i think we should update this list nice so are there any talks that you're particularly excited about for GoForCon Russia? Any talks that um, look amazing? I know you can't pick any favorites, but there's got to be something that you're excited to watch. Personally, I'm very excited to meet Dmitry Vyukov in person oh. and to listen to his talk. Yeah. He's my hero. Yeah, it's the same to me. <laughs> I have a I have a really good Dmitry Vukov story, Eric. I don't know if you were there, Eric. You you may remember this. So at in GopherCon, it was 2015 or 2014. It was several years ago, and Dmitry was a speaker, but I hadn't met him yet because he hadn't spoken. He was going to speak on the second day, and it was the first day. So we were walking home from the pre-party, or you know, walking home from the the place where we were having beer the first night. And I had been talking to Dimitri by email forever on Twitter. And um, I just told him what a big fan I was and how excited I was to meet him. So I'm walking home and this really tall person walks up next to me and says, hi. And I had no idea who it was. So I said, hi. And he kept trying to bring up conversation points, but I was tired and I had two beers and I just was not, I was not talking well. And then somebody else walked up and said, oh, hi, Dimitri. And it was Dimitri Vyukov, and I felt like an asshole. So there's my Dimitri Vyukov story. Sorry, Dimitri. My, my, I was his biggest fan, and I didn't even recognize him. Knowing people from the, the Internet is hard, though. I mean, most of us have, like, avatars that are not us. And even in person, people look different than their avatar and... That's, I, I think that's an honest mistake. It was, I still felt bad. I mean, this is the guy that made Go twice as fast in, in what, Go 1.4, 1.5, whatever it was. And then added all of that awesome race detection and the profiler. I mean, this is a serious hero in the Go community. When I meet him in March again, I won't make that mistake. <laughs> so what would you like to have in your community, what sort of support or access or resource you like to have in your Go community that you don't have right now? So, well, 
if we are speaking about far, far away Siberia, um, I will be more happy if more speakers will come to visit us and yeah, talk to our first person. Maybe this is uh, the most important point for us. Do you mean at your meetup? Uh, for example, we can use uh, the first Siberia as a place to meet. Yeah, because it's quite a huge event. We have more than seven seven hundred people there. Yes, it's quite reasonable to come to Siberia to talk to this big audience. Yeah. Does DevFest happen in the same time every year? Yes, yes. I think it's always in uh, autumn. So this year will be in November, at the end of November. And uh, last year it was in September. Yep, so quite close to the same dates. Now, Leo, I can't understand why you would have a hard time convincing anybody to come to Siberia in November. <laughs> because, you know, it's true Siberian experience. Uh, <laughs> Snowshoes and dog sleds. <laughs> we had a guy from Brazil. It was his first time he saw snow. He was so happy. And <laughs> at our first time, uh, weather was like minus 40 Celsius degrees. Oh, gosh. So really true Siberian experience. Yeah, and we have speakers from 12 different countries. It really, truly must be an experience. It's not, even for people who have who have seen snow, it must be so different. I can't even imagine. I would love to go. Yeah, so we can talk about that later. Let's go, Carlesia. <laughs> you and me, we're Let's... going to, to DevFest in November in Siberia. Let's do it. Let's do it, Brian. Right. Let's plan. All right. Oh, my gosh. I need to... <laughs> I need to knit more hats. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We can plan everything in May. Okay. It's a plan. So what has been the hardest part about organizing a conference for you? What's been really difficult? Um, To keep everything in mind, probably at the past dates, because, uh, yeah, usually something goes wrong. (laughs) <laughs> at the end I don't know always something goes wrong yeah right but uh, I really enjoy to work on community driven events because they're, they're quite different from commercial based conferences uh, when I relocated to St. Petersburg I found that there are a lot of cool conferences uh, in Moscow and in St. Petersburg but they pretty expensive for the developers. So they cost like maybe $500 per ticket. It's quite high price, even one day conference. So I'm very proud that we have GopherCon Russia as a community driven event. That's excellent. It's the community that makes Go amazing. Everywhere, everywhere around the world, it's the community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, by the way, I think uh, Go community is the most friendly community I've ever seen. I agree. I hear that all the time. So how many uh, organizers are there for GopherCon Russia? There's, there's you and uh, a few others, right? Yeah, it's me, uh, Alex. Alex is organizer of Moscow Gopher community. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Juliana. She's responsible for the organizing stuff. And uh, me and Alex, we more about speakers, program, and so on. So do you want to say hi to them on the air? Yeah, I hope they're listening to me. So hi, guys. <laughs> of course they're listening. They're, they're, they're shouting and screaming and rooting for you right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I think so. But Leo told us before the show that he was doing all the work and that they weren't doing any. So um, <laughs> I, hope, I hope he doesn't get in any trouble. 
<laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah. And yeah, by the way, we have one cool speaker uh, I would like to highlight. Uh, Elena Garhavats. She she's originally from Siberia, from Novosibirsk, and she also did a great work for our community. She was leading a workshop for several months about Go programming languages there on behalf of WTM group. It was very cool. That's awesome. That name sounds really familiar too. Well, we talked about having her on the show. Okay, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, she's very active. Now she lives in Berlin, in Germany. What do you think, Leo? Should we have her on the show? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, right? I agree. So what kind of uh, projects in Go are you most excited about, Leo? So, well, personally, I'm really excited about Gobot and Go CV stuff. Nice. Yeah. But, you know, uh, right now I don't write a lot in Go. So I do some automation in Go or in Python from time to time. Yeah, so that's probably why I'm so excited about these projects because I, I'm trying to do some web projects with it and with some hardware I have at home. So it's, it's my small hobby. I think that's a universal thing. Everybody who does Go in any way has tried GoBot or played with GoBot in some way or another. It's just, it's one of the most fun projects out there. We love Ron so much. Yep. It's quite nice. Quite handy stuff. That's not true. I have not played with GoBot. <laughs> okay, right? Not, not everybody. But if you come to... Hack day at GopherCon, you could play with GoBot because Ron runs, runs an all-day-long workshop where he gives away free toys that you can program with GoBot. True. So before we um, jump over to like projects and news part of the show, um, I just kind of want to recap about uh, GopherCon Russia. So it's one day and it's it's in March. What's the what's the date? It's seventeenth uh, March. St. Patrick's Day. And for anybody who might want to attend who does not already have a ticket, are tickets still available or are you sold out? It's still available, yeah. And the site for that, for anybody who's interested, is, um, I think it's gophercon-russia, is that? Yep. Dot ru. And I know we mentioned one or two speakers, but did did you want to give a quick highlight of um, a few more speakers, uh, maybe a couple of the keynoters or things like that? So, well, uh, I, I don't want to highlight someone else. I think everyone quite brilliant speaker there at the list. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's definitely understandable. It's, it's always hard to, you don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah, right. I would I would list the names of all the speakers, but I'm not sure I can pronounce them. I do know that there's a lot of people I know on this list, though, which is really awesome. It's going to be a fun conference. Yep. Brian needs to bring GoTime stickers. <laughs> I don't have Adam needs to FedEx me some GoTime stickers because I don't have any and I leave Saturday. Something tells me you're not going to get them on time. Oh, wait, <laughs> I, I leave. I leave Saturday for Washington DC. I've still got time. I'll I'll ping I'll ping Adam. I get confused about what where I'm traveling. I don't even know what day it is. Probably I will print some Siberian stickers for you. Oh, nice! From our Go community. That would be excellent. I have a huge bag of stickers that I everywhere I go I collect more so that we can do sticker trading. Yeah, and that's that's a wonderful idea. And I'll bring my big bags so that everybody can can get stickers from places that they've never seen. Yes, stickers, black market. Black market <laughs> stickers. Yeah. That reminds me of a, a an article I read, which is completely unrelated to Go, about um, black market records in Russia in the 
60s or 70s, maybe it was the 50s, where they used old, uh, old X-ray pictures to make records, phonographs of music. Interesting. So they melted it down and... No, they didn't even melt them down. They just uh, pressed the records directly into old X-rays. So there's, there's collections of these records where it's like somebody's broken foot and it's Elvis. You know, it's, it's so cool. I'll have wow. to dig up a link, link to it. But it was uh, because that music was not legal. So it was an underground scene where they just found these old X-rays and they used the old X-rays to make records, record pressings. People are creative. Like, I wish I had that kind of creativity to think of that. Like, here, I'm just going to use x-rays, you know? Why not? Kind of awesome. Okay, so does everybody want to move into projects and news? Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll mention uh, one thing quickly before moving on to the one that's going to take much longer. Um, Last week's episode, we talked about Vigo, and there's been, um, I think, two more posts in that series. We talked about them coming out. They are out. So um, if you haven't read uh, the additional posts in that series by Russ Cox, um, we'll link to them in the show notes. The second item to talk about is, it was two, two three days ago, um, the results for the 2017 Go survey um, came out which was uh, really interesting. What was interesting about it? I haven't read it yet. Uh, so the link is in the show notes, but it was actually, um, there's been a huge shift in the number of people who um, basically say like they program go outside of work or they do it at work. Um, they basically swapped. Um, 2016, um, I think, 66% of people or something like that. The top answer was I program and go outside of work and now at work seems to be the thing. Um, some of the other stuff I found interesting was actually um, the rankings based on um, language uh, expertise and preferences. Um, mm -hmm. I expected to see, um, obviously Go is the top one in the list, but I expect, expected to see a lot more like Python and Ruby and JavaScript, I didn't expect to see, um, you know, Java and C and C++ um, up there. You know, this is, you know, in order of preference, but these languages have been around longer. So I think it's somewhat of an indicator of the communities that people are coming from when adopting Go. That is, I mean, that'd be my assumption, right? If I had to answer my preference list, it would probably be Go first and then the language I came from. Yeah, that's a good assumption, I think. Um, some of the other things that were interesting was, I need to find it on the list, um, but it was kind of asked how long people have been doing Go for, um, and that seems to be getting much bigger. Um, last year, I think um, CLI programs were the top thing that people use Go to write. And now it seems to be API and RPC services. And I need to find it on here. But um, another thing that surprised me was um, there is an answer, web services that return HTML. Um, that actually ranks higher than um, agents and daemons, libraries and frameworks, um, data processing pipelines. Um, I didn't expect um, there to be as much there for web because a lot of people are already using things like you know, Node and Django and Rails and things like that. Um, so okay. I was actually I'm, surprised to see I'm that. I'm confused. Is that web servers that return HTML or web server? Is that like just web apps? Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the answer itself said web services and in parentheses said returning HTML. So, you know, I would probably think of that as something that actually serves the HTML, not like a backend service that delivers JSON to a front okay. front end. So, you know, this, that's actually really cool because I didn't expect that to be, you know, I know people are doing it, but I didn't expect it to rank as high as it did over some of the other things. Hmm. That is interesting. And, you know, 50% um, or 48% of respondents said that they use uh, Go as part of their daily routine. I brush my teeth with Go every day. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's what we, we need Go for toothbrushes. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> That's our new swag for next year. Go toothbrushes. <laughs> because gophers should have good hygiene. That'd be, um, I wonder whether people would take that personally. Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that we're not well-groomed or something? Like toothbrushes? So some other interesting statistics out of that were um, operating system of choice that people use for development. Um, 64% said Linux, 49% Mac, and 18% Windows. I, For some reason, I actually anticipated Mac being over Linux. I know a lot of us are Linux um, lovers for you know, obviously writing our services against, but, you know, I still see mostly Macs and things like that um, for people using yeah. it. I don't know if I believe that unless it's, um, unless they're talking about Vagrant or virtual machines, because every conference I go to, it's a sea of MacBook Pros. There's no Linux machines out there. I think there's something wrong with that. Maybe the Linux people don't like going to conferences. Fair. I actually, or maybe, you know what? maybe they bring their Macs because they're, they're afraid of not fitting in. No, actually, I mean, if you, if you think about it, um, I fall into that category really, really well, right? I develop exclusively on Linux. You know, I have my Linux workstation and I have a Linux laptop I write code on, but I do all my admin stuff, social media, you know, video chats and email and all that stuff. Um, you know, my to-do lists and stuff are all on my Mac. So when I travel, I bring my Mac. That's true. Good point. So um, the other um, interesting stat too was there was a swap. So last year's survey showed Vim as being the top um, editor as far as preference goes. Um, and it, it swapped with VS Code this year. Wow, VS Code is in first place? VS Code mm -hmm. is in first place. That's amazing. VS Code is, is really an awesome place to do code development. But so is Vim Go. I mean, I think I think as as more people enter the community and they have different habits, you know, we're going to see differences in um, in what tools people use. So that makes total sense to me. So, and um, as far as community stuff goes, one thing that was actually really surprising to me was that um, forty percent of respondents um, said that they've never attended a meetup a go remote meetup or go conference or training or um go bridge event or anything in in that manner um that was actually the top answer 40 percent of people haven't done that and I'm, i'd be really curious to know um why that is you know is is it um you know not having the opportunity to do so or you know they they feel they can learn enough through video content and blog posts and things like that. Um, whether it's, it doesn't, they don't, those things don't feel welcoming enough. I'd be interested because I, I wouldn't have expected that to be the top answer. It's really hard to tell. We can speculate that number would be um, more relevant if it was accompanied by geographical location. True. Because, right, it makes such a big difference. So if someone in San Francisco said, oh, I'm doing Go, but I haven't attended anything, then we, we, we should be like, oh, we need to do better because <laughs> the resources are there. The people, don't, people don't know what is going on. But if someone in um, uh, some really remote part of the U.S. or part of the world is saying, I haven't gone, then it's, a, it's good because... They are doing go in spite of not having access to these things. Right. Oh, yeah. It's completely different, right? Depending on where people are. I think that's actually a really, really good point. Because even thinking about here locally in Tampa, like we've been doing pretty bad about consistently holding meetups because it, it gets hard to find um, people to present or to have the time to create presentations and sometimes just the overhead of trying to find a location for it. And things like that if you don't already have a company you can consistently do it at so even here locally right if you know anybody who lives here and we're not running meetups here or the one didn't exist right um and if you don't work for a company who's willing to send you to events and you don't have meetups locally you don't have the ability to go um 
So maybe that's also an indicator of the spread, right? That we're starting to spread out of the big tech hubs and into mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Yeah. How that also makes me uh, want to ask Leo. Leo, did you take this survey? Did you know about it? Yes. Yes and did, yes. Do you think <laughs> a lot of people in your community knew about it and took it too? Um, I'm not sure actually because I uh, can't track that. Uh, but I think uh, I spread this link to the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's good. I, I'm not sure about Moscow community, but uh, I've shared the link to Siberian community. Definitely. So, so Russian is showing up as three percent of the respondents. Well, <laughs> maybe that's good. So, just yeah. to, as a comparison, Brazil, which is also a big country, is showing up as two percent. Yeah. India is showing up as 2%. And India has been having a Go conference for a while now. Yeah, that's very good. Where yeah. does China rank? It's 2%. Interesting. You know, a lot of this could be language barrier too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we don't share the same um, mediums for getting news and, and being made aware of these things. and. Yeah. All of that too. So it's it's always really hard to um, to actually use it as you know final statistics, you know, and anything less yeah. than kind of a gauge. I mean, even even when we do a survey for um, GopherCon, I mean, it's it's I forget what the percentage of people is, but it's certainly less than fifty percent of people ever fill out the survey. That's true, Leo. I I forgot a very important question that I need to ask you. Um, Vim or Emacs? Oh, geez. Huh? Sorry? Do you use Vim or Emacs? Um, I use Vim. Tabs or okay. spaces? No. no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very good. Leo uses so, Vim. So We're good. It's all good. He uses one thing Vim. that I, I wanted to mention too from the survey, I don't know if Eric was going to get to it. If so, sorry, Eric, I'm cutting ahead of you. Um, is in the community aspect, the answer to I feel welcome in the Go community. Last year, the, the disagreement was uh, 15 to 1. Sorry, the agreement to disagree. Yeah, that wasn't going to sound right. The agreement to disagreement ratio last year was 15 to 1. And this year, it, it, the agreement increased to 25 to 1. So that's pretty cool. Is very oh, that's good. awesome. We're making people feel more welcome. Yeah. Um, so I think the last thing that I can think of offhand, this is a really long thing and it's an interesting read for anybody um, who actually wants to get into all the details um, outside of kind of the ones I've pointed out now. The two um, primary things that were kind of conveyed in the problems people see with Go or why they're not using it were um, lack of generics and dependency management. So um, that actually um, talks about they're going to try to focus on those two issues um, in 2018. Nice. I don't want generics. I can't think of anything else in there offhand that I thought um, were interesting. 100% of the people surveyed said that GoTime was their favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the English speakers, right? No, 100%. All of them <laughs> said GoTime was their favorite podcast. Even if they came from another place where they had a different podcast, they said GoTime was better. <laughs> <laughs> Brian has this um, Chrome filter called Praise Brian. And when he turns it on, everything turns into 100% love. <laughs> <laughs> It's like every site he goes to, 100% of the people who use this site love Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting Chrome filter. I, I'm going to work on that for Donald Trump. It, it would make you feel good every day, right? Like, True. <laughs> everywhere you go, the site somewhere in there compliments you. <laughs> and you just, you, you install it and you just give it your name and done. <laughs> sell it for a dollar, you millionaire. <laughs> Brilliant. I get my commission because it's my idea, though. 
Sure, you can have a penny out of every dollar. I'll take it. All right. So um, next on interesting projects and news, I haven't been trolling GitHub too much um, the past week or so, but um, I, I can't remember. I think we mentioned the the pwned passwords list and service, um, but Matt Evans has created a Go library for querying the pwned passwords list to see if a password has been compromised in a prior uh, data leak. That's excellent. Which reminds me of the uh, dating app that lets you enter your password to find other people that have the same password for dating, which makes <laughs> makes so much sense. <laughs> How, think, think about the number of people who still use like password in one, two, three, four, though, like you'd end up with a ton of matches. Well, that's why they're perfect for each other. If you're using password one, two, three, then you guys were meant to be. Just grab the first. You just grab the first one. You cannot go wrong. Right. First one on the list that pops up. That's it. Sold. <laughs> so, She's my soulmate. But but then people like me uh, who use my generated one password passwords like there'd be nobody, just loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Did anybody have any other projects or news that uh, well, they kind of ran across I this week? Sorry, I had a slow comeback to that, but I have to say it. So you can't be locked in security and love. It can only be one. So if you <laughs> don't find a match, that's a good thing <laughs> based on the password. <laughs> At least you're, you're good with security. So who cares about love? We commend you on your, your, your selection of secure passwords. We're sorry. You're going to be lonely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Moving on. That is such an, in, a weird way to, I think, to find a date. Really, <laughs> Please give me really, all the really people is. who share the passwords with me. That's not real, right? No, I think it's it also, real. It also seems like a really, really bad security idea, right? Like, oh, this match shares the same password as you. Now you go find all the sites and you have somebody's name and knowing that they have that password. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> Maybe it's just a great, great big fishing experiment. That's quite possible too. I don't know. Have you heard about about the Get Contact application? No. So it's a application. You sign up and it collects uh, all your contacts from address book, and you can search for any phone numbers and yeah, find. Uh, the name of the person. So the fun story here is, for example, you can find out how other people wrote down in their address book. It's very fun. Uh, I, I can oh. send you the name. Yeah, it's very scary. bad for the privacy, but <laughs> very funny application. Yeah, because I have I have interesting names for people in my address book that. I would not want anybody to ever know. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like Eric. You know, I don't. I don't call him Eric in my address book. That's something completely different. And if Eric knew that, he would be mad at me for a long time. So, you know, those are things that we don't want public. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, free software Friday. Does anybody have stuff? You know, I don't. I don't have a free software Friday this week. How sad is that? Oh, if Brad doesn't, I feel not so bad for not having one either, just mainly because I didn't think about it. It's like I haven't been having one. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard based on what you're doing. And if you're kind of doing the same thing for weeks on end, you may not be exposed to projects. Or when you are, you don't think to like write that down. Like, I need to give this person a shout out. Yeah. Um, Leo, so at the end of every episode, what we typically do is something we call Free Software Friday where um, we give a shout out to um, a project or maintainer um, of open source. It does not have to be Go, um, just to kind of show our love and appreciation for what they do. Um, I know this is on the spot, so it is okay if you don't have one, but if there's anybody or any project that uh, you absolutely love and uh, helps you out, feel free to give them a shout out. Well, Maybe not today. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. Uh, so I do have one this week. Um, 
source D. So um, they have a go git library, which is uh, an implementation of git um, completely in go. And uh, for a project that we are working on at work, I'm doing some git stuff and I've been playing along with that uh, as a library rather than shelling out to the git command itself. And it is, is making things uh, a lot cleaner and more fun. That's really nice. That's interesting. Now, Sorsty, that's where uh, Frances Campoy went, right? Yes. Awesome. Hi, Frances. We love you. <laughs> yeah, they also have a speaker from there. I'm going for Con Russia. Oh, yeah? Hmm. yeah. Not Francesc? Not, unfortunately. But, yeah, we have Vadim. He's a Google developer expert uh, on machine learning. Yeah, quite a cool guy. Uh, I will send his GitHub to the Slack. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So if uh, nobody has any other projects uh, to give a shout out to, um, I think we are at time. Um, so uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, Leo. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you, Carlicia, for being on the show. Brian, we're no longer friends. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm just teasing, Eric. And I'll, oh. get, I'll get rid of the nasty name in my phone book. Uh, so, so I want to know what the ringtone is too. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. You really don't. I just posted a picture in Slack of the hat that I knitted during today's show for my, my new niece, Ava. Shout out to Ava, who's tiny, tiny, tiny. And I'm looking forward to meeting her this weekend. I have to bring a hat. It's adorable. You need to you need to post it on Twitter and reply to my uh, commenting that you're knitting live so people can see the result. Oh, good point. Okay, I'll go do that right now. All right. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GoTimeFM. Head to GoTime.FM to subscribe and GitHub.com slash GoTimeFM slash ping if you have suggestions for um, topics or speakers, including yourself. Um, with that, uh, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks, Leo. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Leo, this was great. Thank you. Bye, all. All right, that's it for this episode of Go Time. Tune in live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community in Slack with us. In real time during the shows, head to changelog.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Special thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more. Also, Linode, we host everything we do on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash changelog. GoTime is edited by Jonathan Youngblood, and the theme music for GoTime is produced by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.